Being famous for corn and pork production, political caucuses, and the Iowa State Fair, I still can't figure out why the hell this place is called the Hawkeye State. Anyways, welcome back to the swamp, and welcome if you're new, my friends. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true stories from Iowa sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here. Now, let's get into these creepy, downright strange Iowa horror stories. Are you 50 or older, or are you close to someone that is? If so, listen up. If you're listening to this Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance Sponsorship ad, there's a good chance that you're alive. And if not, well, this may not be of interest to you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Life insurance? I'm gonna live forever. Death is what happens to other people. Well, for the sake of argument, let's assume you're wrong and that someday you won't be listening to podcasts anymore. I know, it's not easy to talk about, so I'll do the talking. If you're 50 plus and alive, or 50 to 75 in New York, you can apply for Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance with guaranteed acceptance regardless of your health. And since this life insurance is guaranteed, you don't have to get a medical exam. In fact, you don't even have to fill out a health questionnaire. For a free quote, just visit GerberLifeFamily.com. Then when you stop, I mean if you stop listening to these podcasts, your family can use the insurance money to help cover your final expenses or anything else. Your kids already inherited your ears, allergies, and questionable singing voice. Don't make them inherit your final expenses tab too. See website for terms and restrictions. Weird Occurrence I Had by Cayman Duelist 01 I had a weird occurrence when I was a teenager, maybe about 15 or 16 years old. I don't remember the exact age. It was sometime in the mid-2000s. I spent almost all of my early to late teenage years in a small town called Cresco in Iowa. So let me set the scene of the story. I woke up early one Sunday morning while it was still dark out. About five in the morning to prepare for my paper route job. I got all my stuff ready and into my courier bag to set out for my route leaving my house to start my career. Once I left my house, I started walking down the sidewalk to the corner of the intersection to the cross street to get to the next road to head north. I have to pass a large three-story building that I believe used to be an old school at one point that is now just used for storage for the fitness center that is right next door. I had a weird feeling that something was wrong and I looked over the opening of the alleyway and saw the most bizarre and creepiest thing ever. Underneath the lamppost, illuminated by the light, was a puddle of darkness. I had no idea what it was. Ooze? I know it wasn't water. I moved. It moved and rippled like it, but it just wasn't. I stared at it for a few minutes and decided, nope, not today, and just sped walked the opposite way back to my job. I returned half an hour later while it was still dark out, and it was not there anymore. So what the heck was it? A figment of my imagination? A doorway to hell? Ooze from another world? I don't know. Cresco has had its strange and messed up stuff happen, and definitely has bouts of weirdness going on in that small town on a daily basis. I'm just looking to find answers about it. I once asked a self-proclaimed paranormal investigator about it, and they said it was probably a doorway or something to some sort of other dimension, or possibly just a creature. Halloween Horror by Anonymous I grew up in rural Iowa 
just cornfields for miles and miles. It was a pretty crappy place to grow up. Like, it'll always be home to me, and I'll always have a fair amount of affection for it, but home is where the heart is and all that BS, but even the earliest stage of life that I can remember, I wanted to leave. To put it this way, Halloween has always been my favorite holiday, but unlike the kids who would trick-or-treat in Cedar Rapids or Waterloo, who had actual neighborhoods to harvest whole sacks of candy from, we had to walk about a mile and a half at a time just to make it to the next house. So aside from the one year when our mom drove us over to Dyersville to get a taste of how those city kids lived, trick-or-treating wasn't really an option for us. So a little backstory. Last year, we were allowed to go trick-or-treating. Our immediate neighbor to the east, who lived three miles away, told us to go the hell away because we were getting way too big for playing kids games. This guy has begrudgingly given us a few apples some years in past, and we always resented him for it. But that year, when he told us where to go, it made us downright hate him. I mean, the entirety of the following year, me and my brother would scowl whenever my dad drove past this house. To us, he ruined the one good thing we got to do around Halloween each year. I know we were just dumb kids, but kids are also cruel and stubborn occasionally, and I guess we were just that kind of kid. So the following year, my mom decided to take us over to the Living History Farms in Urbandale. Living History Farms is a place near Des Moines that bills itself as an interactive outdoor museum that teaches people about the Midwest rural life experience. Honestly, we were not really thrilled about the visit. It wasn't exactly exciting for two boys in their early teens. I mean, learning about some of the origins of Halloween was pretty cool. I mean, a kid like me was all about hearing how Halloween was the night when spirits of the dead returned to the earth to wreak havoc to those who had wronged them in life. However, there was one particular little educational tidbit that got me and my brother's attention. And that was how our Lowen ancestors used Halloween as a night to play pranks on each other. Pulling up cabbages and shrubs out of their gardens was a common trick. Wagons were pushed into the lane or the street. If the kids were ambitious, they'd hoist the cars of the victim onto their barn roof. But the most common mischief was taking your neighbor's garden or barnyard gates off the hinges and leaving them in someone else's yard. I remember the teacher lady telling us, then me and my brother just looking at each other with this wordless kind of communication like, oh, the neighbor is going to get it this year. So that year we snuck out of the house in the early morning hours, walked down to the neighbor's place with a screwdriver and a hammer, and did exactly that. We took his front gate off the hinges, walked like a mile down the road to his neighbor's place, then left it in the front yard. We did stuff like that for the next couple of years, each time getting more progressively bold, screwing with him harder and harder until it got to the point that we struggled to top the previous year's prank. It got to the point where we stole a considerable section of this white picket fence and just threw it into the cornfield across the highway. We put some work into that, dismantling it piece by piece so as not to make much noise and wake the guy. I mean, it sucked. We never got to hang around to see his reaction. But imagining him going outside in the morning and going insane with rage was enough to keep us amused. So this one year, we walked up to his house in the middle of the night and saw something we had never experienced in a million years. This neighbor hated Halloween and never ever put up any decorations or anything. But that year, we turned up to see this grim reaper on his front porch. It wasn't just some dumb-looking scarecrow type thing either. And it seemed like the guy had put in a lot of work getting a hold of actual mannequins or stuff as well as the spooky-looking black robe stuff to dress it in. But since it was a farmer, we... But since he was a farmer, he did have much trouble getting a hold of the old rusty And since he was a farmer, he didn't have much trouble getting a hold of an old rusty scythe leaning against it. I mean, yeah, it was kind of intimidating, 
He had only put it there to try to scare us off, but we weren't about to be removed from our little yearly ritual at this point. Nothing short of a tornado could deter us from getting our revenge for him being so mean to us that Halloween night. But right as we start to dismantle his fence, in almost absolute silence, I notice something out of the corner of my eye. Or rather, I see the lack of something so subtle that it takes me a minute to realize what I wasn't looking at. At some point as we were taking his fence apart, the Grim Reaper statue thing just stood up and disappeared. I stopped what I'm doing, looking around the front yard trying to spot where it could have gone. I whispered to my brother, The Reaper is gone. Did you see it move? At first he looks at me kind of like I'm crazy, but then he too starts getting pretty freaked out. We're just crouched down, tools in hand, in dead silence of the night, realizing that we had been a little too overconfident in our yearly pranks. We didn't quite understand what was happening. That's when things went wrong for us. Let's get out of here, my brother whispered, and we immediately got up and started jogging back towards the highway. Then out of nowhere, the Grim Reaper is standing in front of us, with that giant old rusty scythe in his hand, blocking our escape. It hadn't been a mannequin that was set up on the front porch. It was actually him. He dressed up like some dumb decoration and just stood there still as a statue waiting for the pranksters to arrive. There was one drawn out moment when we locked eyes with the guy, who had taken down the hood and black robes he was wearing. Then we just bolted. But since he was blocking the way and the road out front, we had to run back through his property, climbing over a fence and into a cornfield to get away from him. He was fast for an older guy too. Like, maybe it was just all the anger from having been victimized year after year, but somehow he wasn't weighed down by the scythe. And those robes, for whatever reason, he opted to keep on, didn't slow him down at all. I was scared, sure, but I figured we'd be able to get away. But remember how I said we had to scale a fence to get away? Hopping down the other side didn't go well for me. I badly sprained my ankle when I landed. That was when I got terrified when I realized I couldn't get away from the guy. My brother kept running, and I wanted to shout after him to help me but I knew that shout would give away my position to the guy, so I kept my mouth shut. So picture this scene. I'm hiding in the cornfield, so scared that I'm covering my mouth to keep from breathing too heavily, while the furious scythe-armed guy is stalking up and down the rows looking for me. Every so often, I had to just limp to a hiding spot further down away from him, trying my best not to rustle any of the stalks so I wouldn't betray my hiding spot. It was the middle of the night, and maybe the guy's eyesight or hearing was failing him, but I managed not to get myself caught. I kept stumbling further and further away until he gave up and headed back to his house. This was completely and utterly terrifying, hearing him say stuff like, I'm gonna cut you up into little pieces and feed you to my pigs. The tone of his voice was telling me he meant every word what he said. So yeah, as you can imagine, I was pretty close to peeing my pants many times, knowing that I just couldn't get away fast enough. Needless to say, we didn't try any more pranks on that guy after that. Hometown Sinister Secret by Gold Star Tank I grew up in a small town in East Central Iowa. At first glance, there isn't much to see. It has only one stoplight on its main road. The downtown area is along the main street and is lined with old buildings from the 1940s. It has a Carnegie Library on the south side of town, and to the west you'll find the fairgrounds and the dirt track. As for the things it is known for, the town doesn't have much. A fantastic county fair that brings in people from all over the state, and a special cream crescent pastry that will keep visitors and townsfolk happy. But that's not why you're here. You want to know what dark and scary things have happened in my hometown's past. For any music lovers, you may be saddened to hear that Buddy Holly and his band had their last meal in my hometown. 
They had dinner at a diner called the Greasy Spoon before driving north and making their fateful flight into history. My grandmother lived in that town nearly all her life and said that particular diner was a horrible place and went out of business decades ago. This bit of history is pretty well known among the older population and to those who like to study their town's history. But there is one more thing that is not nearly as well known. If you were to travel to the northwest side of town, you'd find lots of sprawling cornfields and a few old farmhouses dotted around the area. But in the middle of the old cornfield, sitting away from all the other buildings, stands a tall brick building called the Old Cedar County Home. The county home was built in the early 1900s as a poor farm for those less fortunate to have a place to stay and work. However, not everybody liked this idea, and on an opening day, one of the head of staff was attacked by a resident with a pitchfork. The records I have looked through have yet to say whether the poor staff member survived this attack. Later, around the 1930s, the building gained an addition in the form of a mental asylum which soon took its first patients. This particular time was a rough time for everybody in history, and the home's occupants continued to grow until World War II began. After the war, the poor farm side of the house began to diminish while the mental hospital, now called an insane asylum, continued to grow. It was at this time its most atrocious happenings took place. The head nurse of the asylum didn't like her patients very much, especially the insane women who either were or happened to become pregnant while there. The story goes that the nurse would be quite cruel to the pregnant women and make them work outside or do extra chores even though they could barely stand. When it came time to give birth, the nurse would drug the mothers so severely that they would be unconscious, and as soon as the baby was born, the nurse would take the baby away and kill it, later telling the mothers that their baby was stillborn. The nurse was let go after a while, and the home began to fall into hard times, sometime around 2004, when its last residents were transferred elsewhere, and this place was finally closed. A farmer bought the house and the land, but they still stand as a reminder of their cruel past. The locals who do know about it say that it is probably a drug den now, and most agree that it's undoubtedly haunted. As the home is on private property, exploring the remains of the building is challenging unless you want to risk getting arrested or shot at. However, some people have found a way in, shared photos online. Most of them aren't too scary except for one that caught my attention immediately. The words, quote unquote, I see you, were spray painted in black. The future of the home is uncertain as the farmer uses the land for storage and has left this place in particular untouched all these years. But one thing is clear, you'll never catch me out there after dark. Small Town, Iowa by WeeG211 A little backstory before we begin. I'm 17 years old, I'm a male, and I live in Iowa, presently residing in a small town so small that it has to be in parentheses on a map. My county consists of a tight cluster of small towns, each with a seemingly unique niche of people. But it's all just the same picture in a different frame. Alright, with that out of the way, let's get to it. I'll try to keep this brief, but there's a lot of ground to cover here. Alright. A buddy of mine, we will call him Dumbo, wound up with his first girlfriend in one of these small towns, then later broke it off and moved to where he currently lives in 7th grade. The two towns are about an hour's drive apart, so fast forward a couple of years to our junior year in high school. At this point, Dumbo and I are 16, and he shifted through a couple of girls but won't stop talking about his first girlfriend back in 6th grade. In due time, they get back together, and him driving over to this other small town every Friday becomes regular. 
He stays a little later every time, and eventually starts spending the night there. On Thursday evening, we learn we won't be having school the following Friday. Dumbo and I stay up too late screwing around on video games, and he heads out at about 2am. He shoots me a text shortly after saying one of his girlfriend's friends needs a date. As a complete geek, I snap at the opportunity, and we head to this small town the following morning. Long story short, it was the most disastrous six hours I had had in a long time. I'll spare a lot of the details, so fast forward a few months. Dumbo has since broken up with his girlfriend for unexpected reasons. Apparently, she was biting him frequently, always drawing blood. She would call him almost every couple of hours, and I'm told she went berserk when he didn't pick up, leaving many voicemails sending tons of angry text. She picked up a fascination with Twilight in recent times as well, and that translated a little too much into her real life. Despite this, Dumbo didn't break it off until November of 2014. After the breakup, she still texts him, saying how she'll wait for him and all that good stuff and she'll always forgive him. Pretty odd stuff. Still needs to be finished, though. Remember that girl I was set up with? She was apparently a bit too physical with Dumbo's girlfriend's sister. Not even just roughing her up a bit. She had to go to court for a R-word case. Dumbo still gets texts from this chick, and I'm told the girl I was set up with quote-unquote misses me, which gives me shivers. This is pretty outlandish and nearly unbelievable, but this is all entirely true. Some people are absolutely insane, and you should be very careful who you set your friends up with, especially if you don't know who they are. Always Carry a Weapon by Anonymous I like to run outside, and I usually have a knife with me just in case. I started doing that after they found Molly's body in Iowa, the runner who was murdered a couple of years ago. Living in the state, it really put me on edge. Well, one day, I was in a bad mood, so I went for a walk and didn't think to bring my knife with me. Of course, this was the one time someone tried to bother me. So the setting is a sidewalk between an open field and some apartment buildings. I was walking with my earbuds in, listening to music, and I took a left. I walked a little ways away. I walked a little way down the path and then decided to turn around and go back. When I turned, I saw a man walking towards me. Not that unusual, I guess. I do live in a rather decent-sized town in Iowa. But being on a sidewalk and all, I thought, okay, whatever, pedestrian. I prepared myself for that awkward smile, say hi, and walk by. But as I tried to get around him, I noticed he was trying to talk to me and was getting in. S I noticed he was trying to talk to me and getting in my way of going around him. I glanced and then tried to ignore him, but he walked back to catch up with me. Annoyed, I removed one earbud and he was rambling about how he wanted to know where I lived, what my name was, and other stuff. I just pointed in a random direction away from my apartment and lied about my name while picking up my pace. Then the guy asked if I was seeing anyone. <laughs> I said, yes, I'm married. And then he started carrying on about how he was sorry and how he didn't want to get in the middle of anything. Sure, because I would leave my husband for some random weirdo on the street. Suddenly, a girl from the apartment building across the street shouted at me and waved her arms. So I ran towards her. The guy hopped in his car, turned around. I assumed he was driving by and pulled over to follow me and took off. She asked if he was bothering me. And I said yes and thanked her. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't... I don't know what would have happened if he tried to go beyond this level of creepiness, but I'm a lot more cautious now, and I never forget my knife.
Thanks for listening to this creepy and downright strange video full of allegedly true stories sent in by viewers from the state of Iowa. If you enjoyed these stories, be sure to slap that like button, subscribe to the channel as it helps us grow, and give us a five-star rating over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you're listening on those platforms. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I have a merch store, so if you're looking for some cool hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and stuff like that, you can find links in the description to wear some cool swamp threads. Be sure to comment down below the code word YELLOW OCCURRENCE to confuse people and let me know that you made it all the way to the end. Don't forget to join me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.